You are listening to The Vibrant Life Podcast, episode 27. The Vibrant Life. Hey you, are you ready for another podcast? I sure am. My name is Emily Romrell and it's been a good week, my friends. We've had a few stormy days here in Utah, and we really need the rain, so that's great. I like stormy weather. I love making a cup of hot herbal tea and cozying up with a good book. I love hearing the rain and smelling the wet air, and I guess every type of weather has its own joy, right? Its own pains too, but its own joy. Anyway, I'm super excited about the topic this week, which is the power in naming things. And this is an idea that might not come naturally for you, but let me tell you, it's magical. (laughs) To be honest, I may go a little overboard on this at times. I like to name everything, from my houseplants, many of which are named after loved ones, to my guitar, Calliope, which is the head muse in Greek mythology, to my toaster, Amos, just because I like the name Amos. (laughs) Um, But the principle of naming things goes a lot deeper than just playing around and having fun. There's been myths and stories reminding us of the power of names for ages. Uh, You probably remember the story of Rumpelstiltskin. He's a sort of magical dwarf who grants wishes in trade for things that people hold dear. So in the story, Rumpelstiltskin agrees to save this young woman. Um, The girl's father lied to the king, saying that she was able to turn straw into gold, and the king held her hostage until she did that. So luckily or unluckily, depending on the point of view, Rumpelstiltskin appears and he agrees to spin straw to gold in trade for the girl's firstborn child. And she agrees happily to avoid punishment from the king, and everything seems great until the baby's born and the imp shows up again. And then the now queen begs Rumpelstiltskin to reconsider And he finally agrees to give up his claim if the queen can guess his name within three days. So the queen tries every name that she can think of the first two days to no avail. And then on the last night, she follows the dwarf into the woods and discovers his true name as Rumpelstiltskin. So when she finally says his true name, then the creature howls in dismay and has to leave without taking the baby. It's one of the most common fairy tales people know, right? And even in more modern stories, uh, there's The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, which is an awesome book. And in that, the magical power, kind of the magic system is found in learning the true names of things. And also in that book, if you know someone's true name, then you have power over that person. And a similar idea is also found in Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea Cycle series. So those are awesome fantasy books. Um, They're amazing reads if you want to check them out. Um, There's a couple links in the show notes if you're interested in those. Um, I love any good story. But again, it's the power of names, right? Even William Shakespeare, whose history is probably most famous writer, asks, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So he's kind of saying names don't matter. But then, um, you know, it's because in that story, it's Romeo and Juliet. And Juliet's saying, I don't care if to Shakespeare, if your name is Montague, I still love you, which is powerful in that. But 
I love in Anne of Green Gables, where Anne says, I read in a book once that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but I've never been able to believe it. I don't believe a rose would be as nice if it was called a thistle or a skunk cabbage. So Anne reminds us that names really do matter. And even in the Bible, uh, the Bible starts with God naming things into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then later on, John, in his um, book, tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So even then, like, power of words, right? But it's not just stories. Um, You might remember a while back on this podcast, episode 21, I did a podcast called Abracadabra, and we talked about Masaru Emoto. He's this Japanese researcher who demonstrated that words and music affect the molecular structure of water. So you should check that out if you haven't listened to that episode, but it's pretty amazing. I guess today is an extension of some of the ideas from that episode. Anyway, all of that goes to say that human hearts have a built-in understanding that names have power. Words have significance generally, and specifically naming something carries a special power all its own. A few years ago, um, I started counseling and my therapist challenged me to name my anxiety and depression. This can be pretty helpful if you're dealing with difficult things and whatever it is might seem big or overwhelming, too big or overwhelming to handle. And I thought about it and then I came up with the name, The Lurker. (laughs) And I honestly think my counselor was surprised. She probably was expecting a more normal name like Sally. Uh, No offense to any of the Sallys out there. Your name is beautiful. Um, Side note, that kind of makes me think about... um, Karen, right? Karens have got a bad rap in the last few years. (laughs) Uh, Most Karens, I'm sure, are delightful, but people in customer service jobs needed a name for difficult customers, right? They needed a way to express their frustration, so it turned into a name, which they decided was Karen. Um, Anyway, that's a little bit of a side note, but again, the power of names. Um, Back to the lurker. So I came up with that name because I felt like my monster of anxiety and depression was always hanging out in the background, like ready to attack at any moment. And I imagined it sort of like the Hydra with its many heads. And every time I appeared to defeat one of the aspects of my demons, two more heads would grow in its place. So I even made a drawing of it, and you can check that out in the show notes if you want to. But um, I still haven't defeated the Lurker completely. But let me tell you, naming it made it possible for me to manage it much better. I kind of feel like the famous crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. Crikey, when you're dealing with a lurker, you need to use these mindfulness tools. Okay, I can't do an Australian accent, so you just gotta put up with me for a second here. (laughs) Um, But, you know, think about Steve Irwin, like the crocodile hunter, you know, he's like, oh, the lurker can be a dangerous creature. You don't need to be afraid. You just need to respect it. You need to make friends with it. And <laughs> I wouldn't say I've made friends with the lurker quite yet, but I can imagine a day where I might. And here's the truth. By naming it, I made the lurker into something that I could understand and control. 
my mental health is a lot better these days, uh, but lately I have been dealing with a lot of physical pain. It's been pretty rough, and so I've decided to name that too. And the name I came up with is Dolores. And I got that name from the word dolor, which means pain in Latin, as my Spanish-speaking friends might know. Um, and the etymology of Dolores actually comes out to Lady of Sorrows, so there's that. And again, um, please, if your name is Dolores, don't be offended. Um, I do think that's a beautiful name. However, um, I also have fun in my mind imagining Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm just nerdy. You just got to take me as I am, guys. But um, if I can turn my physical pain into an imaginary manifestation of Umbridge and stick it to her, then I feel happier, right? Uh, and again, it makes my pain more manageable and I feel like I have a little bit more control. Actually, even before I named the Lurker, I inherited a name for every girl's least favorite monthly visitor. My mom named her period Myrna, <laughs> and my sisters and I have adopted that name too. So, you know, every month Myrna comes to visit. Um, my aunt calls hers Mrs. Murphy, and a lot of women call it Aunt Flo. So there's power in naming something painful that you have to deal with on a regular basis. Just throwing that out there. And sorry if that's a little crazy for you guys. <laughs> um, but it's about naming things. And it's not just about naming hard things. I believe you should name all of the good and the wonderful things too. And this is as simple as counting your blessings, right? In the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have a hymn called Count Your Blessings, and it invites us to name them one by one. And another song from a classic movie, White Christmas, says, if you're worried and you can't sleep, just count your blessings instead of sheep and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. Um, I love that. A quote that I love also says, if you see something beautiful, speak it. I think this is so important. Uh, when we focus on the good things and name them, then the bad things are less significant and further away. It reinforces the positive in our lives like nothing else does. Another thing I think is important is not to give children negative names, but to inspire them with good ones. And I know most people don't mean anything by it, but personally, I hate it when parents call their kids stinkers or monsters or worse names. Um, I love happy nicknames like Buddy or Champ or Sport or whatever. Um, again, it just goes back to that positivity thing. When you tell your kids they're stinkers or monsters, then chances are they're going to behave like stinkers and monsters, right? Both of my parents come from wonderful families, and I was raised to honor my family name. And because of the good examples and the wonderful lives my ancestors lived, I have a last name that I'm really proud of, and I want to honor that name by living the best life that I know how. And I got my first name, Emily, from my grandpa Er, who's my mother's father. My grandpa wanted to name my mother Emily. But my grandma decided that she liked Diane better, and she won. <laughs> so when my mom grew up, she named me Emily as kind of a uh, sort of thanks to my grandfather. And she just liked the name too, and so do I. And my middle name is Diane after my mom. So I really lucked out in the name department. My name means a lot to me, and I want to live up to that. My grandpa Er also called me the girl who talks with her eyes. Um, I guess because I have an expressive face, 
It's something I've heard from quite a few people. <laughs> I'm not a good liar, and apparently my thoughts are pretty apparent on my face a lot of times. But I've always loved that na- nickname, uh, the girl who talks with her eyes. To me, it's beautiful, and I think it helps me be a more beautiful person. Grandpa Air also called all of his granddaughters his sweethearts and all of his grandsons pals. So he was a pretty great guy, and I think he kind of understood the power of nicknames, right? <laughs> anyway, by now, I hope that I've persuaded you that names are important. They truly do have power, and they affect the world and the way that we perceive the world. If you're struggling, it might be worth it to give your problem a name. Take time to name all of the good things in your life and be grateful. Give yourself a name that you strive to live up to. I promise that if you do these things, then your life's going to be that much more vibrant. Take care, everybody. Hold on. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If you think this podcast is helpful and worthwhile, then subscribing on iTunes and leaving a review would mean the world to me. And while you're at it, would you invite your friends to take a listen? Every little bit helps to keep things growing. Thanks for your efforts, peeps. And live the vibrant life. The vibrant life.